right, here we go, everybody. This is the TCP, and I am John Stamp. With me is Tiger Dog laying at my feet. He is not snoring yet, so that is a that's a good thing. But he decided that he is my co-host, awake or not, so he won't leave my side. So uh, we established that he gets to stay, uh, or he established that he gets to stay. A um, couple things, real quick. First off, uh, myself and a boatload of great authors, including uh, Kate Quinn. Jeanette Walls, David Baldacci, and Scott Tarot will be signing at the Amelia Island Book Expo, uh, Amelia Island, Georgia, on February 18th. That is right around the corner. Also, while I'm at it, in June, I'll be at Space Coast Book Lovers, the 21st to the 24th. That's in Cape Canaveral. I'll be at Orlando Reads in August and the Books of the Beach in St. Pete's, Florida in October. And before we go any further, I'm going to apologize. I'm just getting over some lung stuff. So if I start coughing, I'll try to edit that out. But no promises because I'm not really good at this. Second thing. <laughs> there we go. I'm, uh, I'm continuing uh, my wholehearted thanks for your continued support for Brothers Keeper just out on Audible. Alex and Charlie are uh, really two of the uh, favorite guys I've ever put down on paper. Uh, so thank you for all the comments and the compliments you've sent. You guys are the best and uh, it keeps coming. So I appreciate that. Third. So tonight I get to talk to T.R. Hendricks. Uh, his debut uh, novel, The Instructor, is coming very soon. I got to uh, got to read it uh, over the past week and it was uh, it was a, it had a pretty good take. It was kind of a fresh read, so I really enjoyed it. Uh, T.R. is a former Army tank platoon leader and military intelligence officer who deployed multiple times in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I thank you for that, sir. Uh, he's a graduate of Hofstra University. And when he's not working or writing, he is most likely reading, woodworking, or watching his beloved San Francisco 49ers. TR calls upstate New York home. And TR, welcome. I appreciate thank you joining you. me. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was kind of a rough weekend for the 49ers, but, you know, it was just... It is what it is, you know. Uh, I, better luck, I got, better luck next year. <laughs> I, yeah, I got kicked last week when uh, when Buffalo uh, right. ended that that dream season. Um, I don't have to uh, like hold my breath every time Josh Allen breaks from the pocket anymore because that dude runs like he's suicidal. He um, really does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> it, I'll tell you though, I'm I'm not a 49ers fan by any means, but it it mm. was uh it was just sad watching those injuries just tear them apart. I mean, it was I, more of a you couldn't even say the system failed. Like they came with a plan. They just didn't right. have anybody to execute. Yeah. 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 I mean, when you, when you're talking that you're down to your fourth string quarterback and, and, uh, and he gets hurt and now you got to put your third string quarterback in who can't throw because he's got torn ligaments in his arm. It's, it's, I really, it was more like, like I don't obsess over the fact that they lost or anything as much as I want them to get a Super Bowl. Uh, but it, it's like, I would have, so much rather preferred to see a true Eagles 49ers matchup. And if the Eagles came out on top, great, you know, good for them and everything, but let's see what we could actually do going up against each other when we're all healthy, you know, versus, you know, my fourth string quarterback that, you know, didn't even know where his helmet was. It looked like, you know, when they, when they told him to go in. So yeah, anyway, that, um, yeah. That, that would have that would have been an outstanding game. You could you, yeah. you could see it, and then 100%. Uh, 
once his elbow snapped like a bowstring, it was like, buddy, I don't right. think that's nerve pain. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, I, can't, I can't feel my hand. That's that's yeah. kind of a bad thing for your quarterback. So, bad, yeah. yeah. You, you knew it was over when they put McCaffrey in as a wildcat. It's like, ah, he's good, but I don't know if he's that good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, either way, it's uh, it was a good season. I enjoyed it. And my, you yeah. know, being a long-suffering Bills fan, kind of in the same boat, well, at least 49ers have a Super Bowl. Right. But as a – seeing the team come together over the last couple of years, I'm just it, – it, it hurt, but they made the playoffs. So, I'm like, okay, yeah. we'll get them next year. We got a young team. Yeah, Ish. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. So uh, – so the instructor, um, uh, one of the things that jumped out at me, I appreciate, I appreciate the advanced copy. It was, uh, uh, Derek, um, well, uh, rounded character. And, uh, and we could talk about that, but what, what kind of jumped out at me is, is you've got kind of a narrator style at times that, uh, seemed kind of new. It seemed kind of, uh, like one of a couple of quotes is, uh, you know, Derek's walking these dudes through the, through the woods and, comes upon an opportunity and, and the narrator kind of almost steps off from any given perspective of the characters. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Derek set them to do this. Derek set them to do that. Like he's like, your, your voice is kind of off a little bit and watching is, I don't know. Right. Is that conscious or is that just the way it came out? Uh, I, I think it's, it's kind of a bit of both. Um, it, it's a, a conscious effort. I, I write in the present tense too, because I've always had a, very difficult time um, with with my tenses, you know, and if I was writing in past tense, I would inevitably jump to present and it, it just kind of developed over the years that I wrote in present tense. So I think that lends something to that perspective, um, but more where it seeps through and where it originates from is um, kind of how I envision the story as it, as it unfolds. Uh, I like to write my narratives uh, as if I'm sitting in the seat at a movie theater and everything that you're seeing on the screen is exactly how I want you to see it as it's occurring in my head. Uh, And so that I think lends itself to some of those moments where I'm kind of like detaching in a way if, if that's, if I'm capturing what you're saying, because I need to show you what's in my head. I need to describe it so that you see it as, you know, um, cleanly and as specifically as I see it, you know, like the, uh, the scene with the fist fight at the baseball game is like a perfect example where other authors, not, I'm not saying this is right or wrong or anything, but other authors might, you know, say, well, well you know, he, he decked him with a right hook and everything. I'm like, no, I want, I want you to feel like, you know, he, he lowered his level. He twisted in from the hip with his left hook, landing it into the kidney. And then, you know, came with an uppercut with the right, like, I want you to see the specific movements of my character. And I think because of that, uh, that's how you get that kind of stepping out from the, the perspective of a character or, or the, the mentality of a character just for kind of that straight narration. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh that's what it, what it was. It's a different perspective that I don't think is hugely common in, uh, in the market right now. I hope, you know, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just, uh, and it's, it's funny as you were saying that it's I've, the writing in the past tense, the word had has mm-hmm. become, 
one of my most hated words yeah. in language. And every time yeah. I'm actually um, editing a, my first draft right now. And every time I see had or that or something that has to put it just past happening now, I, it really has to articulate why it should exist in, yeah. in, on the page for me. And yeah, that keeping it in the present, it gives a, uh, it gives a tempo uh, to the story. I think yeah. it just, it came across that way. Yeah. I, I would always like have real trouble. I, like I'm, I'm very big on, on my action scenes and, and being very descriptive in those and, and the pacing and, and um, you know, trying to get that heart rate rising in, in the reader. And I found it like very, very difficult to be writing action where it's like, this is happening right now, but then everything else is like, well, well, he's thinking in the past, you know, Derek's thinking in the past tense, but he's running in the present tense. Like it just, maybe it's just my head just doesn't compute it, you know, whatever yeah. it is, but that, that I had to like kind of condition myself all the way going back to, to college to, to make that adjustment to write in the present tense, just so I wouldn't flip back and forth, you know, cause that was like yeah. my biggest critique that people would always give me. It's like, what, what, what tense are we in? Are you in the future, in the past, you know, what's going on here? So. Yeah. I, re I remember distinctly getting spanked by that, you yeah. know, by whatever creative writing teacher I'm working with at the time. And, mm -hmm. um, and I was just always like, well, it's, it's not in the past. And like, it, it just it's like, come on, you know, but, <laughs> yeah, but right. it's uh, your writing style. So uh, you said you want to be in a movie theater showing what you're seeing when I'm, when I'm going, when I'm knocking it out, when I'm knocking out my, my word limited day, that's right. kind of like I tell people and it sounds crazy to anybody who doesn't write, you know, but uh, I'm I'm writing the movie that's in my head. And yep. the time when my writing time is over, I hit pause. I'll come back tomorrow. But it's sure. kind of I, I like it. I always remember when I was when I was a kid reading Crichton and okay. Michael Crichton's books, he seemed they read to me like a movie, like it yeah. cut out perfectly in scenes, had a tempo, everything had a purpose. And you could see it the way he painted the picture right. wasn't. Stephen King over the top descriptions. It was everything you needed to get a comprehensive view of what was going on. Sure. Sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Like I, I kind of grew up the same way with the, the vivid imagination that I credit, you know, a lot of where these stories come from. Um, but I used to like lock myself in my bedroom um, with, with two GI Joe figurines uh, none of the weapons or accessories that they came with, just, just the figures. And from those, I would extrapolate stories that would go on for hours, for weeks, you know, and it would be the same, like, you know, mom would knock on the door. Hey, you know, it's, it's time for school or it's time for church or it's whatever we're doing. And I had to do the same thing. I had to hit the pause button make a mental note of where I left off in my story so that I could come back and, you know, pick it up and, and keep going with, with the game that I was playing. Um, and then, you know, uh, eventually I learned that I had to put GI Joe's down if I ever want to get a girlfriend and, and you know, actually get a date and stuff. So it's like, uh, okay, but the storytelling continued, like it, it had formed there. It just evolved. So like, could I say that I'm really just sitting in front of my typewriter playing with GI Joes in my head? Like kind of, yeah, kind of. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's kind of my process. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like we hid the GI Joes and ended up putting them all in a notebook. Cause for me, it yeah. was, 
as soon as I was, you know, whatever I was 10, whatever. And I put down the toys. I almost instantly had a notebook that was just full of sketches up until I distinctly remember it was 36 years old. uh, And I was finally able to put somewhat coherence into a first draft manuscript. And it was, but before that dozens and dozens and dozens of notebooks and it's like, Every five years, the wife is like, can we throw these out? I'm like, there's gold in those things. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm I'm going back to those. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how true that is, but uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I still got them. (laughs) Wishful thinking, yeah. That's right. Hmm. So, uh, so uh, I want to talk about Derek, but uh, so the instructor, it's, it's, uh, there's an extended release sneak peek that came out today. Yes. So semi pub, semi pub day. We'll call it semi pub day. Yeah, it's like um, mini pub day kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and the instructor. So uh, brief. I don't want to give anything away, but so we've got uh, Derek. Um, oh crap! His last name. Derek's last name. Harrington. Harrington. That's right. Yeah. Derek. Derek Harrington. Uh, uh, vet turned into a wildlife. Uh, you know, uh, survivalist instructor. Um, great. Uh, depth to this guy and his world um but basically uh the world gets him and then he yeah. ends up having to take the offer he can't refuse right and gets wrapped up not only with a, a group of uh, relative nuts but also uh being stuck as a as a government you know pawn at the same mm-hmm. time and yeah chaos ensues right exactly exactly yeah yep. between the rock and hard place and you know but the thing is that's um the twist of it is that like when you can only squeeze Derek so much, you know, he might be between a rock and a hard place and he's getting prepped, you know, pressed and pressed and pressed. And at a certain point, you know, he decides it's time to press back, you know, and, yep. and, and that's when the fun really begins. Yeah. yeah the, the timing of it is, is just uh, watching that switch just flip and it's like, well, this right. is buck, buckle up. You're going to be tired yeah. when you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so yeah, the, so, I mean, it's, you know, on the surface, you could say, okay, he's a, you know, he's, he's got, he's one of the, the super special veterans that comes out with all these super sets of skills like Liam Neeson, but, but um, it's, it's more, he's a, he's, he's a dude who's got, you know, family issues. He's got business issues. He's got all the real life problems that people face. Sure. Um, on top of this extended uh, situation. And I noticed that, um, I mean, I never had to transition from, from uh, uh, the full-time military life. I was um, a reservist, but um, mm-hmm. that you, you use real life transitional issues that, that affect a lot of people and yeah. uh, portrayed them in a way that was not, um, it was not like we were just using this to, to, as a, as a postage stamp to highlight, okay, dude's got problems here. They are it, but right. um, there was a depth to it. What's uh, was that? What, what was the, uh, I guess, what's the uh, source of how Derek got to be who he is? Uh, so there's, there's a couple levels to him. You know, he, he's, he's an onion, certainly um, got a bunch of layers. Um, the genesis of um Derek really comes from a former colleague at work who um, we were kind of BSing one day around the water cooler. And um, long story short, I, I basically told him like, hey, if you, you need a, um, a story, you know, if you, want, if you want a fictitious story about, you know, kind of um, your military background and stuff that you can use to 
tell people because I'm not framing this very well. Essentially, the guy had um, a, a very highly top secret position. And so he couldn't divulge a lot of his backstory to people that wanted to know. Um, and so I, I like just offered, he knew I liked to write. I just offered to kind of create a fake backstory for him that he could use at, you know, parties or whatever he wanted to say. Uh, and that's where the gen so like kind of the logistical side of Derek came from, uh, this work colleague is this, this buddy of mine who was actually a Marine force recon warrant officer. He was an intelligence officer. Uh, and he is a wilderness survival instructor. So that's kind of like where the, the um, blueprint came from. Uh, and then you blend in a lot of the character traits in terms of like the honor and integrity and the self-sacrifice and the devotion of family. Uh, that all comes from my father, who is also a Marine, um, a Vietnam era uh, Marine. So um that all kind of blends into the blueprint, starts fleshing Derek out, putting meat on the bone and, and giving you a sense of who he's trying to be, uh, who he wants to be. Uh, and then the, the things that are holding him back are uh, essentially the things that I myself had to experience and go through and the different hardships and ups and downs that I had, not only on active duty, but also in my reintegration uh, into into civilian life, uh, which you know was a, a decade more, uh, a decade or more process of you know navigating reintegration and and the challenges with employment and. The, the challenges of trying to have a family, but, you know, dealing with, with post-traumatic stress disorder and medications and, uh, and alcohol and all, all the, the things that come with it. So that's really where, you know, uh, Dex, uh, Derek comes from is, is the blending of those three uh, personalities. Um, I like that you noted how, you know, he's, he's, he's another special forces character, you know, not special forces, uh, special operations, because you know, special forces is army and army special <laughs> operations yeah. is everybody else. But um, it, that was kind of something that struck me with, with, uh, with my buddy at, that I worked with was like, like he's, he was just a, a, a your kind of the run of the mill house dad, you know, like, yeah. and then, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's built, you know, and, and everything, but like, you wouldn't look at him. You'd say, oh, he definitely served in, in the military. He's probably a Marine. But the kind of Hollywood mentality and even yeah. the, the publishing mentality that we've painted of these special operations guys, well-deserved reputations, but they can, they're also human. They're very much human. Like they got wives and kids and they drive a Toyota because it's cheap, you know, like it, it's, it's not all running and gunning. And that was something that I really wanted to portray as well with Derek is that like, yeah, when he was in, he was kicking ass and taking names, but you know, now he's, he's not your run of the mill special forces guy because he's out of the military. He's been out for a couple of years, you know, he's just, just trying to make ends meet like the rest of us, you know, and, and, and inevitably he gets 
pulled into this situation where his past skill set comes out and comes in handy. But yeah, the, the you know, the that whole community is made up of people just like you and I, you know. Yeah, and I think that's uh that's what I was looking for. The uh it's so exploited, you know, mm-hmm. and and you've got um like yeah, anytime you meet somebody that comes from that world, they're they're most often the most humblest, you know, right, you know, quiet um mm-hmm. person that just wants to be I, i'm just gonna be yeah. me i'm I'm dad now i'm this right is this i'm dad now you know mm-hmm. and it's uh and but it's so exploited um by media it's it's yeah. gotta i can't imagine how, how much those guys must just roll their eyes and feel like oh we just yeah, chat that, for a minute you know right yeah exactly <laughs> it's it's it's, yeah. it's like if i was just your your run-of-the-mill um soldier and I'm rolling my eyes at what Hollywood puts out. I can only imagine what those guys are going through. Yeah. Because the, the level of training and and uh, the years of perfecting their craft that they go through and, and missions that they go on. And, you know, just just like my friend, you know, he, they can't talk about it afterwards, depending on the classification of the mission and everything. And, and so we're left to um, fill in the gaps, you know, with our, our creativeness and some people are better at it than others, you know. Yeah. So uh, I can only imagine what they what they think when they see some of these uh, shows and, and movies and books that come out. Yeah, it's funny. I don't I don't know if it's uh, if it's the same way with you, like with like the military movies. But like my wife's a nurse. Okay. Um, me as a cop, like yeah. there there is so little that we can watch on network TV. Like there's like you you sit down to Grey's Anatomy, and I will only do that if I have a gun to my head. Um, but you, you know, you're sitting down with that for five minutes and she's like, they're breaking the sterile field. He doesn't have gloves on. He's not yeah. masked up. I'm like, okay, so we'll switch yeah. it over. And if, if something like NYPD blues on, I'm like, okay, we're in a crime scene. He doesn't have gloves on. Um, right. You should be writing, not taking that picture. And what are you doing with that swap? And she's like, all right, okay, let's find a documentary. I just can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? We're stand up comedy. Cause we're done here. <laughs> so right. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah exactly. It's, it's just funny, but, mm. but, uh, but no, it's, it's funny when you were mentioning that um, you mentioned the baseball scene yeah. and, and Larry's just acting up and, and you can, it's funny as you know, he's not John waning it. He's just like, Oh, this has, second and third order issues that mm-hmm. I cannot deal with. And, you know, right. the problem comes to him, but instead of him being like, you know, slowing down time and being like, I'm going to break your elbow and I'm going to smash your scapula and I'm going to break it, you know, all this like yeah. crazy superhero stuff. He's just like, this is going to add so much pro- trouble to my life. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. It's, yeah. it's a whole different mindset. That's that again, just gives a, it gives that character a justice that, uh, that people without your background would, skip over you know thank you it's, yeah no, I, pre- I appreciate that yeah it's it's the um you know he wrestles largely with um anger is i think like the pr- predominant emotion that he has hard time controlling in in this first uh edition and um in that scene in particular it's it's like okay he's he's had a bad week leading up to it you know i'm not going to get into it yet for the readers but um like he just wants to watch his kid play baseball you know and and he's what he's got the 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 other moms and dads whispering you know because he's um him and his wife are, are divorced and everything and what's going on there and and he just wants to watch his kid play ball a little bit and yet trouble seems to find him and even in that instance 
he's still trying to do the right thing. He's still trying to rein it in, but he just can't because so many other things have led up to that point. And he's still dealing with all these issues that, you know, it just, there's only so much you can take as someone putting their finger in your face, you know, and, and, and finally he handles his business, you know? So, yeah. And yeah. best intentions are going gentle. It's like, whoop, whoops. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. It's, uh, again, just the, the book uh, instructor, it's, it's a, uh, it's got a nice vibe to it that, that uh, I don't see is, is all that common right now. I mean, once, you know, once it, once it comes out and hits big, I'm sure everybody's going to copy it. But for now, I think oh. I think that perspective is yours. For right I, now. Guess, I guess that's a nice uh, <laughs> a form of flattery. Sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as I was uh, reading your background, you had you admitted to being a, a genre hopper. So yeah. Um, have you written full manuscripts in the past and just haven't pursued it? Or mm-hmm. um, yeah. 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 I um. So been writing since probably junior high, you know, um, I, I didn't make a serious, more, more for fun, more as a hobby. Um, I took some creative writing stuff in college and everything, but again, it was always kind of like a pipe dream, you know, public published author. Like, wouldn't that be great one day, you know, like have my book on a shelf and, and go on a tour and everything. Um, but I never really gave it serious consideration until about like 2014. I started writing, uh, a bunch of short stories and showing them to a couple people. And I was getting a lot of good feedback. Um, and that's when I decided to really start pursuing this. Uh, and I started out as a fantasy writer, uh, like writing, writing epic fantasy, again, going back to my GI Joe days, you know, the, these, these, you know, the battle of Pelennor fields, the massive armies colliding into each other and, and, and fighting dragons. Actually, my first short story that was ever published was about a elderly man fighting a dragon, which, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah, but, old man in the sea. Yeah, yeah, kind of thing. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but uh where was I going with this? This, uh, this old man and the Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it happens with the head, with the head of mine. Um, yeah. So I was, I, I wrote one fantasy manuscript and, and this was like in high school where I didn't know that like the industry went by um, word count. I thought it was just by pages. So like I, I wrote 300 pages in high school and, and I don't know how many words that was. I mean, it's obviously trash if I went back and looked at it now, but it's a story that I'd love to go back and redo. Um, Then I was writing a much larger multifaceted um, fantasy story uh, that was like a series, uh, which I still have high hopes to go back to. Um, and that was much more recently. That was like in that 2014, 2015 timeframe where I was like, I'm going to make a serious push. And that's the the first kind of manuscript that I was going with for that. Um, and that ended up being like 180,000 words on the first draft. Um, and I went back and I started, I went back to it just for fun, a couple of, like a year or two ago, probably right before, right, right, right before I queried uh, the instructor, went back to it. And 
I started rewriting portions and I was like, oh, I need more character development here. I need to flesh this out here. And, and so now that thing is probably like 220,000 words. Nice. You know? So I'm going to have to break that one up. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna break that one up a little bit. Um, I did have my, where I really learned the ins and outs of the querying process and how to get an agent and, and how to go about submitting your materials was with a um, a speculative fiction manuscript that I wrote that was, was just shy of, I think, 80,000 words. So it was even like really kind of like at the threshold of where it would be considered for publication because people kind of wanted that, I guess, for that genre, that 90 to 100,000 word sweet spot. And I was like, you know, 12,000 shy of that. Um, and that manuscript had a lot of issues. Uh, it also had a lot of stuff that I was very proud of. And I don't know if I'm going to go back and rework that one, or if I'm going to pull parts of it, um, and use it in other things that I have planned. Um, but that's really where I, I waded into the, um, professional, uh, querying trenches for the first time, uh, wholly unready to do it. <laughs> but what I did learn was, you know, well, there's a such thing as formatting your manuscript, you know, like, <laughs> you know, sending a single space 12 font manuscript of 78,000 words that doesn't have your name on any of the pages, doesn't even have page numbers that's not going to get you the best result, you know? So yeah, that's like, not <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not, that's not going to be good. Um, so like how to, how to professionally for, or, you know, not professionally in that of like of a professional editor, but like what are the professional standards of submitting a manuscript, which fonts, what spacing, how do you categorize it? You know, um, things like that. Then learning just the ins and outs and refining my own organization process of querying of like, okay, I'm going to create this spreadsheet to help me track, you know, and I'm going to, and I'm going to search the different agencies and put the, the agents down that I think are a good fit and then make notes as to, what this agent is looking for currently or what this agent means towards and then go in and crafting my query letter so that almost like a resume where they tell you, you know, you need to curtail your resume and, and tweak it so that it fits every individual job you apply to. That was the same thing with my query letter, you know, process like, oh, okay, let me, this agent's looking for X. So let me make my letter fit X Whereas this one over at this agency is looking for why. Um, so, you know, am I disappointed that that manuscript failed? Yeah, a little bit. I thought there was some good story um, bones in there. And with the proper guidance of an, of an agent or an editor, it could have come something. And, and like I said, I can always go back to it. Um, but really, that one is what fine-tuned me so that when I wrote the instructor, um, I was like ready to go. Like I, I had my whole process down. 
My bad. Sorry. Oh, no, it's all good. I'm, I'm getting over it, too. I'm surprised I haven't Dude. coughed yet. That's why I keep sipping this water. Yeah, that's, I was going for it, but that one was just too big. It was coming. <laughs> oh, but, man. yeah, so uh, so that, that was, yeah, that was the, the one that got the process. Um, I really didn't even consider writing in the thriller military thriller space uh, up until I kind of just like I was talking with my buddy and it was just going to start out as a short story that I was going to throw up on my website. Um, and I, I wasn't very well, well, uh, well versed in the thriller genre at all. I read some Clancy when I was little uh, or younger. Um, I read uh, the Bourne series. I was a fan of like the original kind of first few J, um, Robert Ludlum's um, I was, I'm a huge fan of Nelson DeMille, uh, hadn't gotten around to a lot of his stuff, but, you know, being a native Long Island guy myself and him coming from Long Island and, uh, I read a, a good half dozen of his books. So I was a fan of that, but then I went into the whole fantasy, uh, sphere and that's kind of where I lived as a reader for ages to the point where, where my, my agent, um, <laughs> In, in the call that we got, you know, the, the <laughs> boy guy, <laughs> it's oh, going around. We're all, yep. we're all got it right now. It's oh. ridiculous. Um, but yeah, my, um, my agent, Barbara po- Poel, um, when we were doing the, the call as it is, you know, she, she said, so, so, you know, who do you read? Who's your, who's your current author? You know, who's your favorite guy in the, in the genre, um, realm you know what what books have you read what books are you going to read and I was like stammering because I actually ran got up from the table and ran into my bedroom where uh my bookcase was in order to like look at some of the books that I had read over the years that might apply because you know the 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 idea that you could write a thriller novel but not really be well versed in the thriller space is kind of an outlier. Like you need to, and now I like, I I'm all consuming about it. You know, I'm constantly, I just started Savage Sun by Jack Carr today. You know, I, I finished yeah. um, Damascus station by David McCloskey, his debut, which was just outrageous spy novel. Fantastic. I got to throw a review up for that, but um but yeah, that, that was, that was kind of the, the, the journey as it were in terms of, of, uh, genre jumping. I still like yeah. to tool around with stuff. I got like a horror story I want to do. Um, I want to, I had another short story that was published about turtles in space. I just, it was just, nice. you know, they were just like, you know, <laughs> um, the, the issue was calling for military science fiction and I had never written, um, science fiction before. But I was in the military and I was like, I, I bet I used to like, you know, I call it space turtles and we, we joke about it. <laughs> um, but they were really more of a vehicle to impart my military experience into yep. what those what those characters were feeling. Um, I've got a vampire book that I'm nice. writing um, my take on vampires and and zombies and everything. But like you know, the vampire has been done to death between true blood and twilight and, and everything else that's out there, you know? So that one, I kind of shelved for a little bit, but that, that was, that's another fun one. Cause that's kind of a, even 
if you, I don't know if you're uh, into HBO, but like the last of us that's going on right now, just got deep into that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I love that game. Uh, I love that story. Um, my, my vampire is kind of along those lines, like a, a, a post-apocalyptic dystopian kind of uh, vampire world, you know, with, with a guy yeah. surviving in it. So good, yeah. good hunting grounds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No system yeah. left. There's really good <laughs> hunting grounds. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I um, started out with, uh, you know, being law enforcement. I was like, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take like the, the stuffy dude from Dragnet and I'm going to throw a bunch of demons at him. Let's see what yeah. happens. You know, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. And it's uh, I mean, for the business side, it's like they, you know, you have to have a series you stick to your genre. Customers won't follow you. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm not a business guy. So I, I still like to hop. I've got, uh, I have to do a, st- a space opera at some point, but I can't come okay. up with an idea that's any better than star Wars. So I'm like, until uh, I got yeah. that. You know, I got, <laughs> um, and I, I want to do a horror. <laughs> that's gonna sound good on the replay yeah. <laughs> but um so i i really want to do a horror but i really you know if you think about it we got eight billion humans on the planet mm-hmm. um so if you you know you take it and you look at it as as like the same way you'd look at a deer herd you know deer herd grows and grows and grows but there's a predator there's bears there's cats there's the humans don't have a predator. So I really, I want to come up with a horror story where the humans just suddenly there's a new apex predator, uh, but it's gotta be, how is it, how are you going to come up with something like that? That's strong enough that it can defeat the military, defeat the police, defeat yeah. the surveillance, uh, you know, capabilities. So that's uh that it's, it's just the nuggets there, but it's like, how is it that big outside of yeah. being something microscopic? That's going to be like the last of us or a zombie virus. Right, or something right, right. Yeah. That's interesting. That's but, a, that's a but good, yeah, there's, uh, good they're still yeah. there. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. still there. It's just gotta um, at some point uh, just focus on them. And and, and you know, for I'm I'm about halfway between uh, the crime thrillers and the fantasy. I I did take a stab at doing high fantasy, and it was yeah. such a different world and required so much re uh, you know research just to get the yeah. terminology right. It's like oh man, like, I see. I always thought that fantasy would have been the easier way to go because i'm like i i you know i don't have to conform to the rules of the world as we know it you know i can make up the you know if i want gravity to be half as what it is you know in my world that's fine you know and my my guys can just bounce around and or they can have no gravity at all i don't know how it work but you know like <laughs> but but there was like a freedom to it with the fantasy yeah. side and and it's like you know creating magic systems and different creatures and all those um all, all those conditions that you like have it, it's it's completely open to you it's whatever your imagination could come with but then when you actually start putting the words on the page like like no, this needs to make sense. It can't just be a bunch of gobbledygook, like a like a fever dream or or <laughs> an acid trip. Like you know, you need to have a semblance of how this world acts and what the rules are and and everything. And and in that regard, it becomes much more difficult. So that when I went over and I tried my hand at writing, you know, a story that takes place in the United States of America, you know, twenty eighteen uh, is when when the book. Uh, takes place 
it's like it, it was almost easy to me because it's like I well I don't have to make up any of these rules I don't have to figure out how these characters interact with the world or the or the environment or you know what's available to them or not because I've lived in this world for 40 years you know like I, I know how it works you know I I know that this particular handgun's only got 15 bullets in it and that's it, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the, there's no debating that, you know, there, yeah. there's no, there's no way to come around it. So it was actually kind of a revelation to me when I started going into the, the thriller genre of um, how, you know, not, I guess easy is kind of a, a poor way to describe it. It just um, how much different it was, how much, uh, more familiar it was to write in the thriller genre versus crafting an entire world out of nothing. There's, there's something to be said for both. You know, I, I, yeah. I love world building. I love creating, but it, you know, when you can just say, well, this guy was in the Marine Corps. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're good to yep. go. You know, yep. like you know, the okay, readers get it. it. We don't have to explain it to them. Right. Yeah. yeah, good yeah. To go. Every, everybody knows whether U S Marine, you know, exists. So yep. there's no, there's no 400 history uh, years of history <laughs> yeah. that I have to build into the kingdom to explain yeah. a U.S. Marine, you know, 18, 18 different guilds figuring out the politics of a right or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I will say it's, it's kind of funny, but um, you know, I'll do a crime thriller and I've, I've noticed that, you know, I'll do a crime thriller and whether I do one or whether I do two, I'll get an idea to go back into that, you know, you know, not far off. I, I think it's more of a magical realism with Shattered Circle and uh, mm. Acquisitor. It's it's reality based, but there's a fantasy element to it. And it'll feel like I'm kind of cleansing my palate of the real world. Yeah. And then by the time I'm done with that, that fantasy side, I'll be like, all right, I'm ready for another crime thriller. Let's go back to the cops. Sure. And, uh, it's a it's been an interesting cycle. Um, I think that's a great way to do things. I love doing that myself, even if it's just to take the time out to write a, a 10 or 15 page short story, you know, but like like I said, uh, cleanse your palate. But who's to say that you don't write a dynamic scene that exists in your fantasy genre, in your fantasy storyline, and you write one of the best scenes you've ever written. And then when you're at your crime thriller um genre and and you're like okay i'm going back to my bread and butter because this is what i know the best who's to say that that fantasy scene with a, without a few tweaks couldn't be used in something else so it's like it it's formative i find you know like you're always generating ideas that way and if you step out of the realm of what you're constantly doing um, in like the thriller space and you say, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to mess around with some, some vampires for a while. Who's to say that there's not some really emotionally, you know, just, just, just grabbing scene that, that hooks the readers in where it's like, you know, if I just take the vampire out of that particular scene, I've got a great interaction between a, a father and his daughter, you know, that, that, that brings the reader to tears, you know, like, yeah are you going to leave that on the shelf just because it's, you know, a vampire story or can you repurpose that into something else? That's, you know, your, your bread and butter. So I, I think yeah, it's, it's a great way to go. 
Yeah. And it's still working out. I mean, even if, yeah. if you're writing without an end product in mind, you're still getting the workout, the brain's still working and mm-hmm. that, you know, that muscles getting, getting stronger, sure. um, which for some reason, that's what writing has turned into. Like if I don't go to the gym for three or four days, I start getting cranky. I don't yeah. get words to paper a couple of days. I start getting cranky. So it's like, yeah. So it's, I don't know, yeah. but it's still, you're still getting the reps and then, yeah, that's exactly. it's good to experiment a little bit. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yep. Now um, you mentioned spreadsheet earlier and I'm, yeah. and I'm probably pretty sure that made some people in the audience panic a little bit because Excel mm. can do that to people. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, so I'm guessing I know the answer to this, but how, uh, how structured are you going into a book? Do you map it all out or you just say, I like this idea and just go. Uh, so I, I, I'm like a plotting panster, if you, if you will, a, a blend of both, you know, I, I have in my mind, um, the beginning, the middle, the end, the, you know, the, the overall arc that, that the story is going to go in. Um, I have a kind of a loose outline of specific, things that need to happen in order to facilitate the next plot point, um, specific chapters or action sequences that I want to have. And then I kind of let the reins go. And, you know, I start following the architecture, the, the blueprint that I've laid out for myself, but actually putting meat on the bone I just let, let the words go, you know, and just start. And inevitably I'll come to points where I'll either a have to take a step back and meticulously outline the scene because I need to achieve certain things for the characters and the plot in order to move the overall story forward. Or I'll just be like, B I don't know my way out of this, you know, so I'm just going to kind of write my way out of it and let the creative thing happen and and lightning will strike and it'll just come in and like, Oh, I didn't think that. And all of a sudden it's, it's that aha moment. Every, every writer loves that aha moment. Like, you know, you're sitting, you're sitting in the shower and you're like, how the heck do I get point a to connect to point B and then it clicks and, and then you got to really hope you don't forget it. But, you know, when it, <laughs> when it, when it yeah. clicks, you know, and, and you're running out of the, the, the shower and you're, you're, you're naked because you got to scribble something down real quick and your wife's looking at you like you're a nut job, you know, but it's like, but no, if I forget it, like it makes the whole thing work. So um, that's, that's how I approach it. You know, like, like give myself the, the broad strokes that I'm going to work through um and that all changes as well it's all you know yeah. the x's and o's of the of the playbook but going through the actual uh, individual chapters and chaining one thing to another uh i i let you know kind of just the imagination flow and and go go that route and uh it's, it's you know it's worked so far uh yeah and then you know again i do oh hey what about i you know i've got a a one of a million journals or notebooks or whatever. And I'll, and I'll get the idea. Oh, that's, a, that's kind of a cool idea. What if I had that guy do this or, or what if, you know, this character, the, the good old Butch Cassidy and some, uh, and the thing with the, the fact that the actors were originally cast as the other roles, um, the other guys, you know, yeah. Paul, Paul Newman and Robert Redford, and they decided to switch roles. Like, 
what if, you know, this guy who's a hard ass over here, what, what if I made him a weakling, you know, and then, it, and then it opens up so many other doors of possibilities, you know, and, and, and it's like ripples in the pond and you just, you just start exploring with them. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm, I was, um, on, after we get off uh, the call tonight, I've got to finish revising a chapter where a doctor is speaking to a patient and the patient is basically like begging not to be um, sent out of country um, on a medevac. Uh, they're in Baghdad at the time. And my beta reader came back and be like, the, the doctor is like a colonel and the, the, the patient is just a patient, like you can beg all you want. They're not going to like the, the, the colonel is going to be like, Oh, well, yeah, you know, like, I, I guess you're right. You can, you can stay. <laughs> so like I'm in the process right now of flipping their dialogue where it's the patient wanting to leave and the doctor explaining why they have to stay, you know? Yeah. And, and it yep. just works better. Sometimes you come to that revelation on your own Sometimes you need that outside perspective and, and that's why you have the, the critique partners and the, and the beta readers and everything to get, to give you that little nudge. You're like, hey, okay, what you wrote was good, but it doesn't work. You need to, you know, you need to fix it, you know, or they say it's crap and then you just got to scrap it and start all over again. You know? Yep. And uh, it's, it's uh, you know, before you get into this business, you're, you're like, Oh, I'm a writer. You know, I'm an Island. It's my, this is my work. And you realize yeah. that you need a whole team to make this thing work. It's I, I, I can't even, I can't imagine even letting a, a sentence that I wrote without having somebody else read it out, much yeah. less a book. It's you, you it's, need a, a village to, to raise a writer is what yeah. I say. Yeah. yeah. And, and the village has to be uh has to be honest and brutal enough to be like, you suck. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is, cool. You wrote this. Why what were you drunk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. My um because I'm working on my sequel right now. Um awesome. and, and it's it's in the beta reader uh phase. And um one of my um most trusted, but she's also my harshest like beta reader. Um she had me like sweating bullets because <laughs> yeah. um, she was sending me feedback um, chapter by chapter. She wasn't, she's like, here's my initial thoughts. And she would send them to me. And the first three chapters of the sequel had been written so long ago that they were kind of a departure um, of my style that was so familiar to her from the instructor. And she was like, you know, like these, these chapters are terrible. Like, like you're like, you're like a different writer. She's, she actually put in the notes, something along the lines of like, I'm going to keep going, but I really hope your book gets better. Like, <laughs> nice. yeah, that's yeah, and, you're like, I'll pay you just stay. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, <laughs> I, I, inevitably like, like chapter four or five, she's like, okay, we're, we're back to where you, where you really left off style wise. She's like, but you got to go back and revise those first three. I'm like, okay. I, I got it. No problem. But yeah, that's, you know, Megan, if you're listening, thank you. I got it. You know, yeah, that's, that's, you can't, you can't beat that kind of, that kind of honesty. Cause it's, you know, you, you give it to, to, you know, other, other people and they're so afraid to hurt your feelings. And then yeah. it's like, it's great. It's like, it's, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like, I actually tell people like, just be unrelenting in your criticism. Yeah. Like, because 
for me in particular, I want the final version that's going to be on that shelf that somebody's going to pay their hard-earned money to read, um, which is in and of itself amazing and unbelievable. And uh, I, I consider myself incredibly fortunate that I even got to this point. Um, and for that reason, I want it to be the best possible product that I can put out there, the best yep. possible version of that story. Um, and you don't get that by operating in a vacuum, you know, or, or, yeah. or editing yourself and be like, Oh no, I'm, I'm my own editor. You know, and that's how you end up with books with that have like 300,000 words and just go nowhere. You know, it's like, yeah. no, you need people to rein you in and, and tell you what works and what doesn't, you know, yeah. and then it's up to you as the author to figure out how much of that you want to listen to. You know, because you don't have yeah. to listen to all of it. You know, some of it's good. Sometimes it's just personal preference. Man. Yeah, you got to find that balance. Once you find that exactly. balance, it's it's good. But to, I mean, I've I've talked to people who do it on their own, and I'm like, oh, you're, that's that's a bravery. I don't I don't hold. You know, it's, yeah, it's crazy. But uh, but man, no, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's interesting. I, I like I like knowing how everybody goes about it. Cause everybody does does their thing different. Um, right. You know, and there's millions of us out there that put books together, but it's you know everybody's got their own thing. Like all I to get started, I need I need a, a solid hook, and then I need the the ending. I need to know when the good guy and bad guy are going to face off and who's going to win. Right. And so and then I can map from there. So I'll map mm -hmm. it all out chapter by chapter. Sure. And then once I first start typing, I probably won't look at that. Uh, I probably won't look at that outline again unless I get stuck. And it's yeah. it's all it's all just sitting there. It's like okay, play pause, play pause, play pause. Right. And and it's uh it's it's interesting. And then there's people I was talking to do last week. He's was like, no, nah, I have a question in my head, and I'm just gonna wing it. I'm like, yeah. all right, I'll run into a brick wall if I do that. I just know That's it. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I've I've read articles and listened to interviews of New York Times bestsellers that will down to like the minutia of a single sentence, come up with a sentence and type it into their phone and then figure out where it fits into their 400 page book yeah. is somewhere along the line. They write that disjointed and everything. I wrote um, the sequel just because of uh, circumstances and the, and the way things were going in, in life. Uh, I wrote it um, out of chronological order, which I never do. Yeah. And it was a complete departure from my process. And it was so much more difficult to take all of these individual chapters that I had basically written um, as, as to when I felt like writing them. Like, oh, I want to write this chapter today because I feel like writing action today. Like, and not giving a damn as to how it falls into the overall story. And then I had all, you know, 30 chapters that for all intents and purposes were not that continuous or connected to one another, you know? So now I'm going back into my revisions and having to iron this whole thing. So it actually makes a cohesive story. And I, man, I will never do that again. That yeah. is, that yeah. is not my process. Like, you know, That's like I said, at the at the time it worked, 
but you know i will write from my beginning to my end you know with with very few exceptions from now on so what works for one you know doesn't doesn't work for another like yeah i've uh, i'm amazed I've, at some of that stuff yeah <laughs> yeah i've never uh, I've, i don't even know if my brain would be able to do that if i was gonna skip a sequence you know because yeah. because sometimes you know you got this great idea for what this end is going to be or this fight is going to be yeah. and uh i don't i don't know if my brain would let me do that i've never even considered it like it's yeah. just yeah but it'd be interesting to try I'm, and like maybe. you said it's like like something you might write the greatest scene ever or the greatest chapter ever but because it doesn't connect you have to now revise that chapter into maybe something of what you didn't intend and then then it kind of like defeats the purpose you know and, yeah you know, so yeah. yeah i've actually um there's a scene in in uh, my new book uh the ty benhoff uh too and um it's just a rant he just goes off on a rant and uh-huh. uh and it's it's cracking my ass up as i'm like getting the first draft i wrote it six months ago and i'm like oh my god and i had to i actually had to put it in the margins this is hilarious. No idea what to do with it. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> just like, <laughs> like, oh no. So, yep. but you, you know, you hope I, I don't know if you've got, but I've, I've got the little file that's like, this is awesome. Doesn't work here. Hope to God I have someplace to put it in the future. You know, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Everybody's got that file. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, oh man. Um, but uh, Hey, I, I appreciate you uh, joining me tonight. We've been going about an hour. I don't want to keep you all night. Okay. Um, but uh, I do. Uh, have a couple, you know, with uh, with your service uh, in the army. I ask this of uh, every first responder, every military background that that comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before I let you go, um, yeah. uh, what advice do you have for the seventeen or eighteen year old kid standing? Put him, put him not in front of maps, but in the you know in the mall in the old malls they had every recruiter all hanging out together. Sure, but he's, yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. standing there and he's looking at every single service. What's your advice for somebody that wants to go or is thinking about the military right now? Um, so um, the, the, the biggest advice that I always give to um, people uh, when they're considering the military or, or I'm speaking to parents is um, you, I look at it as a, a 10, 80, 10 is how I describe the military experience. It's like, of those who join the military are going to have your, your kind of your average experience. You're going to have good units, bad units, good leaders, bad leaders, um, you know, good deployments, bad deployments, whatever assignments, duty stations, all that stuff. 10% of guys are guys and gals are going to just get the cream of the crop, you know, stationed in Hawaii, you know, topped out and became a, a, um, you know, fixed wing pilot, you know, you you know, you you flying F F-35s and stuff like that. Like, not that they don't earn that, but like, it's great experience, you know, uh, everything comes up roses, you know, you get the best duty stations, best leaders, everything's great. And then, you know, just, just riding it into the sunset. Fantastic. Then you get that 10, that last 10%, which you just, you just, get the suck, man. You're just like, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just shit. You know, you, you want it, you wanted to be uh, in the uh, Marine Corps band as a drummer and instead you're in the infantry, you know, you're, you're out there. um, They're making you 
vacuum the parking lot, you know, or, or, you know, you know, you're, <laughs> you're out there with a mop in the rain and they're, you know, just, or, or you're, you're, you're painting signs and, and you're like, I didn't, I didn't join the Marines to, to paint signs from green to Brown, you know, like, like, like <laughs> I thought, I thought life was going to be different, you know, and, and, um, going in with that realistic expectation, going in with, um, speaking to people that have been in and making that judgment call to say, you know, pulling in all the, the threads of information and really realizing that, you know, it's not going to be all sunshine and roses. It can't be because it's the military. There's a purpose behind it. Like, you know, you're doing one of the hardest things that anybody is asked to do for a reason. You need to be hard for a reason because when push comes to shove, you're the guy or gal that's going to be on the front line, you know, defending the freedoms of our country. So having that full um, appreciation and understanding going in that there's going to be good days and bad days, but for the most part, it should even out in the end. Um, and maybe I'll get lucky and, you know, my, my four or five years or 20 or will just be roses or, if it, I get the that bottom 10% and it's just God awful, well, you know, you don't have to do it your entire life. You know, yeah. I, I thought I was going to be a general, you know, that was, that was my, <laughs> yeah, my, my goal. Like, yeah, it was, <laughs> I'm going to be in, I didn't need a, uh, I didn't need a viable major in college because um, I wasn't going to rely on my major, you know, like I was, I, all I needed was a degree in order to become a, a commissioned officer. So I took history because I loved history, but like, I'm not a history teacher. I'm, I'm not a historian, you know, like I, I can't parlay those things into a professional career and thinking, well, I don't need to worry about a job or a career because I'm going to be a 30 year general. And when I get out, you know, Raytheon or, or Northrop will, or will scoop me up and I'll just be a consultant and everything. And then, you know, the rubber didn't meet the road in, in my particular instance. I classify my experience as kind of that bottom 10% experience, but that's not by, by a large margin, not what everybody would experience. So I made a decision to get out, you know, and pursue other things and pursue other goals. It was, it was my dream and goal to serve my country. I achieved that. Um, but it wasn't going to be my life as I thought it was, you know? And so I think that's the biggest advice I would give to a youngster or to the parents is just have realistic expectations as to what you're getting into. And it's, it's not anything that you can't then get out of, um, you know, provided you do your time and you come home and and that's what I hope everybody does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, you're not you're not in the driver's seat for the next four. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, good luck with the instructor, man. I can't wait for uh, number two. And when that comes out, come come join me again, dude. Oh, 100. Um, yeah, let's do it. And uh, as far as I mean, on Amazon, uh, your your books up on Amazon. You've got mm-hmm. the dot and then uh, Twitter and IG tr underscore Hendrix. And IG is uh, at Reed TR Hendricks. Any, yeah. any place else I'm missing? Uh, I'm on TikTok now as well. Um, I guess the publishing industry likes TikTok. So I, I jumped yeah, on there. 
Same thing as uh, the Instagram read TR Hendricks um, over there. Admittedly, I'm still figuring it out. My daughters uh, make fun of me constantly because I don't know how to do the videos. Um, <laughs> so I think the last one I posted was right around Christmas. I got to put something together um, for there again. So I'm on there too. You can find me on Goodreads as well. You can follow me there. I'm on BookBub as well. Not quite as active on those uh, on BookBub as I am on Goodreads. Um, but yeah, uh, th that's where I'm at. And it's uh, up for pre-order, like you said, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, all those um, big retailers. Uh, you can pre-order it now. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, and you guys are going to like it. But uh, uh, Tiara, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, everybody, we will uh, talk to you next week.